Hello and welcome to another episode of Give Us This Day, Our Daily Lou. Well, I'll read a piece out of the Bhagavad Gita and talk about it. I hope you're all having a lovely Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're having a lovely Sabado. <laughs> um, yeah, still talking about meditation. Chapter 6, Yoga of Meditation. Krishna is just talking about the yoga of meditation and uh, how to find the self, how to utilize meditation to find the self. When I again, I love this chapter because I myself meditate and I do exactly these things or or look to utilize the practice for such ways. Uh, I have a couple tactics that I use through meditation, but the what we're going to speak on today, I'll be able to speak on through personal experience for quite some not quite some time, a couple of years now. So here we go. Those who aspire to the state of yoga should seek the self in inner solitude through meditation. With body and mind controlled, they should constantly practice one-pointedness, free from expectations and attachment to material possessions. Say it again. Those who aspire to the state of yoga should seek the self in inner solitude through meditation. With body and mind controlled, they should constantly practice one-pointedness, free from expectations and attachment to material possessions. So, we're talking about yoga. Now, those who aspire to the state of yoga should seek the self inner, in inner solitude through meditation. When you utilize meditation, you're literally trying to release the attachment to the thoughts. Because you're not consciously going to say, stop thinking. It'll happen. Thoughts will cease. But once you, it's wild because the second you think, wow, I'm not thinking, you just thought and there it goes. So it's a, it's something, it's nothing you can even really notice you're in. You're just being it. But um, the solitude that you're trying to find is by utilizing the intellect and the senses to go against the intellect and the senses. Because let's say you're sitting in meditation, the old uh, crisscross applesauce, if you will, not to bring race into the play. So crisscross applesauce, it's a rather uncomfortable position for many, right? Let's say you're sitting in that position and, you know, your hips start to hurt, your legs, your back. And instead of succumbing to these sensations and feelings, you just notice them. So you're using the senses to dumb out the senses. You could even focus the breath to the path of... Uh, you could try to focus your breath, the attention of the breath to the place of discomfort. And that does help sometimes. I just find when I would do that, I would just find myself thinking about it more. Like, all right, I need to focus the breath here to get this feeling away. But then you're now, I'm now focusing on the breath to go to get the feeling away, heightening the feeling more and more and more and giving it more energy rather than just letting it be, focusing on the breath. So right here when it says, with body and mind controlled, they should constantly practice one-pointedness, free from expectations and attachment to material possessions. So one-pointedness is finding that center of mind, that equanimity, that self within, where you're walking between the intellect and the feeling and the other sensation side of yourselves. You're unifying them what's conscious and unconscious. You know, things unconsciously arise. You don't go, hey, back, start hurting. It just happens. Uh, you're consciously thinking of things. You walk in between both, where thought ceases to exist, feeling ceases to exist, sensation feelings ceases to exist. Just a being, a being, being. There's breathing going on, but you're just—you're not breathing. You're just being. That is 
to forge the self within. Because once you start to realize that, when you're in that such a state of position, and you and you, the point to do to practice meditation daily is to to constantly like engrave that within your brain if you want to use material form or terminology is engraving or weaving that um neuron to its synapses right the, the way we connect messages in our brain and shit and actions you're weaving that path to be able to do the seizure and then trans then transgress over or trans, whatever the fuck over into your regular life well, let's say the feeling of anger or sadness arises, you don't have to become it. You don't have to manifest it by punching some, you know, sitting in a corner crying and getting drunk, whatever your your thing is. You just notice it. You do this over and over and over and start to strengthen that. You start to really start to change, start to understand a, a deeper sense of being rather than the um, surface level self of reactionary ways that a lot of us go through life. You know, there's impulses, electrical impulses going off. And we, that's how I am, you know, things like that. Because we're constantly ingrained in thinking who we are by people told of who they were, who they were. So it's a constant, you know, it's just a reciprocal relationship. You know, my parents thought who they were, so they tell me who I am. And then I go find out otherwise, you know, to break the neurosis and psychosis and such. So that's the point of this is to, be able to do those things, to be able to strengthen that equanimity, that centered self within us, the heart self, whatever you'd like to call it, the still small self within, like the Quakers used to say, like, this is the way to, um, when you strengthen that self, you get out of the little self way, the ego and all its bullshit, all its tendencies and things, and you just start to live a uh, more peaceful life, like I was saying the other day about peace. Peace isn't after war, during war, it, well, it could be during, after and before, but it's not a outcome of war it's just a state of being right all these things are state of beings it's nothing to just be talked about as things to become to do to be not just to do to be utilize action and doing to become not just to say or look for another doing that is the principle of it and really becoming being while you are becoming not just doing because then you're not it's harder to become when you're just doing so to utilize meditation to focus the breath. You know, you can start on when you can focus either on your nostrils, feeling the air come in and out. In is, you know, you can focus on in and you can say in, out. You can say, you'll focus on the diaphragm you can, or the abdomen. You can think up, down. You can count to 10 and use one as inhale, two as exhale, three as inhale, four as exhale, five as inhale, six as exhale, and so on till you hit 10 and then restart. The reason you want to restart is because you'll find yourself, you'll be at 45 and I don't know how to get there. So you're thinking, you'll be doing the counting the breath, really, but you're just thinking about a ton of other shit. So that's another anchor to the anchor, is by stopping at 10 and going back. And don't be crazy, you know, just start slow. Five minutes may feel like an eternity, so start with a minute or two, three minutes. You know, when our constant life is always from distraction, attention, grabbing, through instant gratification, all the things we go through in this, you know, digital life these moments are very precious for us because when do we ever sit down focus our breath and then when you look into physiological things that the breath do like actually massage the heart and you focus the breath to come through the diaphragm up into the chest and posterior back or back the back and then go down again you say posterior ribs i guess and then down again right not just breathing into quote-unquote stomach or chest breathing or shallow breathing just really deep inhales what i like to do is count to seven on an inhale seven on an exhale it brings a beautiful flow of things there's just many ways you can do it you can 
continue to say a mantra over and over and over. And then you can utilize a beautiful mantra like the, the love of God is within me, the grace of God surrounds me, saying that over and over and over. You could learn of um, Eastern religion mantras and what they mean so that you're not just saying the words, but you're understanding the meaning. And you say it often enough, you'll just start hearing an echo in your brain. And that is the echo of all of those who have said it again and again that become it. So if you said uh, like Om Namah Shivaya and Matter of fact, when those Sanskrit words were made, they were made in such a conscious way that each syllable, the way it sounds, is for a specific reason of something, it, the way it moves energy through the body. You know, and you can look at the, like, or we sit here and text fucking emojis to ourselves, like we're some higher intelligence, right? Or you can actually try to work with it and understand the way vibration and sound are one of the first sensations and feelings that we even have within this world. So. It brings you back to states of such, to equanimity, godly-like states. So those are just some of the ways. Uh, Om Mani Padme Om is another one. Om, just itself. Om, Om. You know, you do those. You go find them and you go learn about them, you know, because what else are you doing? You know, learning your favorite lyrics over and over and playing your same video games. I mean, it's cool, but hey, there's a whole world out there. Very interesting things. And they're very beneficial to not only our spiritual selves, our minded selves, but a physiological selves. So before I leave you with the uh, the script of this, I'm going to bring in something because like I like to do now, connect things that sound very Gita-ish. And this is just from alchemists, the early alchemists of the period around, I believe... I, I think like the, the 1200s or 1300s, just, oh, you know, Older but new, new, old of the new, if you will, like to call it. Not antiquity, but right after that. So the alchemists say some things about the the mind, the body, and the spirit. Really, it's the body, the spirit, and the soul. Corpus anima and spiritus, the three substances that form to the one, right? Because the corpus, the body, the spirit. And then the soul, the soul unifies the body and the spirit, keeps them together. Without them, they'd burn into the fire that is the human existence. So when an alchemist would um, unify them to become the one, this is what it would mean. Or this is something they said about the one. Because they are all from the one and of the one and with the one, which is the root of itself. You see? What's that sound like? Very godly, very Gita-ish about what the self is, you know, because he's talking about the corpus anima and spiritus. So the body, the soul, and the spirit become one because they are all from the one and of the one and with the one, which is the root of itself, which obviously they're talking of God. They just don't have to say it because really you could, God is just a, a, th a three- letters we put together to form a collective agreement of what we're actually talking about. Otherwise, we can't put it in the form. Truth can't be in the put in the form. That becomes relative. You hear me? So I'll leave you with the, uh, with it again. You just think about it. Those who aspire to the state of yoga should seek the self in inner solitude through meditation. With body and mind controlled, they should constantly practice one-pointedness, free from expectations and attachment to material possessions. And as always, thank you for tuning in to WLOU, the smooth sounds of the Bhagavad Gita.